whispered to housemaid. It was rather odd to see her in a neat black frock and crisp white pinafore instead of shabby hand-me-downs. She looked almost presentable. So, how does London suit you, Kitty? inquired Clarissa. I don't know much about London, miss, the maid sighed, sitting back on her heels. I haven't seen anything but muck and dust for days. Haven't even had a chance to find myself a fancy man yet. If I know you, Kitty replied Clarissa. I dare say that that will happen within a short enough while. Not at this rate it won't, she countered. I'm fair run off me feet, I am. If the master doesn't get some more help in Sharpish, I'm going to be as badly off as you. Who'd have thought it, eh? Me and you both twiddling our buttons until harvest time. Kitty, reprimanded Clarissa, putting on a frown. If you continue to speak in such a manner, I shall be obliged to take that soap and water to your mouth. Kitty grinned. Does all this London air come with graces in it, then? she teased. I ought to go and take a few breaths, for it's fairly turned your head, miss. Someone might hear, that's all, cautioned Clarissa in a low voice. She was glad to have Kitty in town. In recent months they'd struck up an odd sort of friendship. It was thanks to the young maid that Clarissa, one shy September morning, had learned all about the mysteries of love. She now knew exactly what to expect on her wedding night. To her shame, the prospect, though somewhat daunting, filled her with a hungry ache. Whenever she dwelt on it, as she often did, the place between her thighs grew heated and damp. But it hadn't taken Kitty to tell her that. Even without a man, there were ways to calm those feelings. She knew that it was sinful, shamefully, wickedly sinful. A lady of breeding, her governess often said, is fortunate in that she does not suffer from nor submit to the demands of vulgar bodily appetites as men and animals do. But Clarissa suffered, and the cravings of her body were such that, in moments of privacy, she was prepared to forfeit her status as a lady of breeding. She was becoming quite an expert at pleasuring herself. "'I don't think you need to worry over much about your chores,' she said, guiding the conversation back to safer ground." More staff are to arrive later in the week, so your burden should be eased. It isn't my burden that wants easing, miss, replied Kitty, getting to her feet and shaking out her skirts. It's this darn ache in my cunny. Clarissa shot her a disapproving glance, but it was a weak effort and Kitty paid her no heed. Anyway, she continued, crossing to join Clarissa by the window, if these new folk are anything like your French miss, I don't much fancy my chances. Looks like she's got a broom handle up her fundament, that one. Clarissa gave a tiny, gleeful laugh. Alicia had taken it upon herself to appoint Clarissa, now she was of age, a lady's maid. Pascal Rieur had arrived only yesterday, and Kitty was quite right. The young woman certainly didn't have the friendliest of airs. "'Well, I never,' breathed Kitty, pressing her nose to the glass. "'Your old man's turning into a dandy little lapdog.' Clarissa followed the housemaid's gaze to the wide pavement of Cheney Walk below. Fine silks and linens strolled in the shadow of elm trees, and there, standing beside a dray-horse and cart, was the stout figure of her father, his brow creased in dismay. "'If that's what love does to you,' murmured Kitty, "'I don't think I'll be wanting much.' Eager to take a closer look, Clarissa jerked up the sash. Kitty wrinkled her nose in distaste. "'That river's in need of a few rose petals,' she complained, backing away. "'Think I'd rather be fetching up more hot water.' Clarissa knelt to lean over the sill. Her father, a powerful shipping magnate, 
was generally regarded as a strong-willed, authoritative man with a touch of the tyrant about him. But since Alicia had entered his life, he'd changed almost beyond recognition. Alicia sparkled. She was a flame of red hair and a swish of beautiful gowns. It was she who had persuaded Charles to reopen his townhouse, saying Clarissa really ought to be introduced to London society. On their arrival, she declared, "'The only way to improve this place is by burning half the contents.' "'Absolutely not,' Charles had replied. "'A preposterous notion!' And yet here he was, gazing on mutely as men in shirt-sleeves removed the offending pieces of furniture. It was a delight to behold. "'Qu'est-ce que c'est vous fait?' came a demanding voice. C'est une odeur infernale. Tish, fermez le fenêtre, mademoiselle, immédiatement. Clarissa bridled. Pascal Rieu had yet to learn her station. You close it, she replied.